Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to the Happy Startup School AMA. Um, so every month, we have a different theme of the Happy Startup School. Uh, this month's theme is technology. Uh, and for us, it isn't just about the, the kind of the bits and bytes and, and mechanical bits of technology. It's really how, how you can use technology to make people's lives better. And all of these AMAs are really trying to source people with doing really interesting things around the theme and what better uh, startup uh, technology, human interaction, organization, people doing really good than Helpful Peeps. And I've got here Saf Nazir, who, um, who is one of the founders of Helpful Peeps. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself, Saf? Sure. So, so helpfulpeeps.com um, is a new social network where people share their time, skills, and, energy, uh, and knowledge with each other for free. Um, all help is given in kind. So there's no bartering, no transaction, no exchange, uh, just good old-fashioned community help. Uh, and each time you help, you earn karma, which acts as your social capital on the platform. Uh, we call it the karma economy. Cool. And so it isn't just you. you also got a co-founder, Simon. Yep. So, yep. so I've got uh, Simon, who's a co-founder, and we've got um, Ed and Dominic as part of the team as well. So we're a four-man team uh, based out of Bristol. And then how did you guys meet, you and Simon? And how, where did this idea come from? Yes, yeah, so me and Simon met well before the idea. So Simon's current wife, then fiance, maybe even girlfriend, uh, used to be on my team when, in, in my previous job. And we won a, uh, my team won an all expenses paid uh, five star vacation to Portugal. Um, I think it was like a, we were the highest revenue generating team for the quarter, something like that. Um, so we were going to go off to this trip and Helena asks me, oh, can my boyfriend come along? So like, sure, why not? And then Simon tagged along and that's when I first met him um, in Lisbon. Um, and we had a fantastic, I think it was three nights, four days, uh, got to know each other really well and then kept in touch the whole time. Um, and about maybe three years ago now, two and a half years ago, um, both me and Simon were in a place in our lives where we were really jaded with our corporate jobs. Um, and we used to kind of like, you know, uh, you know, Facebook or WhatsApp each other and be like, oh, we need to start something. We need to start something. So that was kind of in the background. Um, and so when kind of the idea for Help for Peeps kind of came about, uh, he was one of the first people I Skyped. So I actually got Simon, his, his current wife, Helena, on a Skype call. Uh, another friend of mine who's uh, in, who used to live in Miami now lives in San Francisco and kind of shared the idea, um, thinking that, you know, let's just sanity check this notion of, you know, free help. Um, and they were all really supportive to the point where they all said, uh, we'll quit our jobs, let's do this. Um, so, yeah, so it became very real very quickly. Um, but the original purpose of the Skype was for me to just kind of be like, hey, guys, I've got this idea. Uh, you know, what do you think? Um, so it was really, really, it was a great start. So I picked the people, I picked the right people to Skype with. And um, obviously life then happened and, you know, um, Nick was getting married. Uh, he was getting his green card. So he had to kind of bow out. Uh, Helena and Simon, uh, they're all younger than me. I'm quite a bit older than all of them. So um, Helena stayed in her job, which was in software sales at the time, which enabled Simon to quit the job to kind of pursue the helpful peeps vision with me. So he used to come down, they lived in Surrey and he used to come down and crash on my couch a lot um, early days as we started to kind of, um, you know, uh, 
ideate and kind of figure out where we were going to go. So that was about like two and a half years ago now. Cool. So it was your, your idea from the beginning? Yeah, it was just, you know, it's, it was one of those things that it was a fleeting thought that came into my head. And, you know, I've had probably 99 other thoughts that I've not acted upon. So, but it was just one that came, popped into my head. And it was just this notion of, wouldn't it be great if, you know, instead of us being so reliant on money to get everything done, wouldn't it be cool if, you know, we could help each other with things that we're good at, that we enjoy doing. Uh, we don't have to pay tax on it. You know, it's green. Uh, you know, we will make good relationships, uh, you know, and, and kind of around that time, I think in the back of my mind, there was a lot going on around community spirit and kind of the lack of in, in a lot of, you know, first world countries. Um, also, I had really gotten into this notion of paying it forward around then because uh, I was having a bit of a midlife crisis of my own and I, I decided to leave the corporate world and I wanted to do good, but there wasn't much that I could do. Like I was befriending homeless guys and big issue guys, but the a lot of the charity type traditional volunteering seemed to be really out of touch with the way we live these days. So like I wanted to do good. I had all these good intentions, but I wasn't going to spend, you know, hours and hours researching on Google, filling in forms, going in for interviews. Like that just what, like, I just couldn't imagine people doing that. Um, so yeah, I just, you know, tried to pay it forward where I can. I thought wouldn't it would be cool if we could have like a social network where people could pay it forward uh, instead of trying to, kind of guess who wants help because it's quite hard even when you like even something as simple as like buying somebody a coffee like you start getting really into it and going you know i don't want to offend anybody you know you know is that the right person to pay forward to and i was just like wouldn't it be great if we could just like look around the room and go oh so and so is struggling a little bit with twitter uh, but they're just setting up a business they'd love a bit of help they're really stressing out somebody else needs some shelves put up and then if we could just go up to them and tap them on, tap them on the shoulder and say, I'll help you with Twitter for 15 minutes, no, no problem at all. Um, but we just didn't know who needed what. So if there was a way to, to facilitate that with technology, um, I thought that'd be really cool. Um, and clearly, like the other guys on the Skype thought so too. So I had a few other ideas too, but everybody unanimously went, this is the one that would be really cool. Awesome. And so what, what was the first thing that you started to do to try and make this idea come about? Um, domain names. <laughs> I think we've all been there. So everything revolved around the domain. We've got like a domain graveyard um, of all the domains that we bought that didn't, didn't come to be. So it started off, it was meant to be called Barter originally. I've got a funny domain name story. So I've, I kind of hunted down the owner of the domain, barter.com, um, which has been, it's just like a domain that's been squatted on, it's not being used, and it's been owned by the same person for like 12 years. So I reached out to them and said, hey, uh, we've got this idea for a social experiment that we're looking to do around bartering. Uh, can I possibly barter for the domain? I've got skills, I've got stuff I can offer. Um, and they weren't having any of it. So, so the fact that they said no, we, we thought it'd be a great story, you know, like looking back, like we bartered for the domain and then you know, we bartered on, but uh, the fact that they said no was a bit of a blessing in disguise because that then sent us down, you know, thinking, okay, you know, we wanted barter so bad. We were like, is barter the right domain? Is barter the right name? And the more we looked into it, the more we realized it's not what we were after. Bartering, you know, has negative connotations around haggling, negotiating. Um, we we kind of go to the bartering economy when things go bad. So, so it was really a blessing in disguise. 
And that's what kind of then allowed us to start iterating on the idea, thinking, okay, if barter was the past, the current kind of, you know, capitalist money-driven economy is the present, what could an ideal future look like? And that's how kind of the karma economy concept of a world where we all paid forward and do things that we, we enjoy came about. So if it wasn't for that uh, domain owner kind of turning us down, we might have become barter with people just bartering for stuff on Helpful Pete. So it was a bit of a, a bit of a blessing in disguise. Oh, and so Helpful Peeps was how many domains after Barter? So we there, there, quite, <laughs> there are quite a few. So there was like Barter Flow. There's lots of Barter vari It was horrible Barter variations. Lots of old logos hanging about as well, which Simon designed. Um, then we actually settled on Brizzler. Don't ask me how Brizzler.com was the one for a bit, um, and then. Uh, people hated it, um, and then we kind of became helpful peeps, and, and weirdly, it was like the cheapest domain out of the lot as well. Um, and we really liked it because it does what it says on the tin. Um, it's kind of peeps, it's kind of friendly, you know, the helpful is in there. Um, and then, yeah, so, it, so really, it took us a long time and many nights, I just wake up in the middle of the night and go to GoDaddy to like look for domains. So like domains really took, took over our lives for a bit. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of the first thing that we did. Um, we, we spent quite a lot of time, you know, we were still, you know, in our jobs for a while. So we were spending weekends, you know, all four of us Skyping and like talking about ideas and debating things. What and how we, was your background? What job were you working at? So I was in a very corporate sales job. Um, so I used to wear a suit to work every day. Uh, Simon was in a engineering and project management role. Uh, so again, well, on site, maybe not, but again, so we were both doing the, the nine to five, you know, probably longer than nine to five, but just kind of climbing that corporate ladder. Um, and I think it was, you know, I think it was good because uh, it taught us a lot of kind of commercial skills and gave us belief that, you know, we, we could learn quickly and do things. Um, but it just didn't give us like, the, the fulfillment or the, fa the feeling that we were doing anything important or useful. Uh, and I think that's why I think I did it for seven years, Simon for five. Um, and we both just got to a point where we were jaded and we were ready to do something dramatically different, whatever that was. Um, and just happened to be helpful peeps. And so you got the domain name. <laughs> yeah. What's next? Um, so at that point, um, I was under the impression that there wasn't much in Bristol. So on some level, Simon was still living in Surrey. So on some level, I'd convinced myself that I'd need to move out to go to London or Berlin to kind of pursue this. Uh, and then randomly, um, quite serendipitously, I came across a, a, a guy in Bristol uh, who had just started running an incubator inspired by YC uh, called Webstart Bristol at the Engine Shed, which I think you've been to, pretty cool space. Um, so I was still at work, so I think I'd booked a day off holiday or like over my lunch break. I can't remember. I was wearing a suit. I went to meet him um, and to learn more about it and got on really well. And he was like, yeah, you should apply to um, our next cohort. Uh, and there were a couple of startups that came out of WebStart that were kind of like household names kind of in Bristol. So that kind of made me think, okay, this is cool. Uh, and they had, a, they had like a package where they, they kind of in, invested 10K cash uh, they provided, um, I think, something like three to six months of incubation, like office space at the engine shed. 
Uh, and even when I walked into the institute, I was like, this is cool. I'd want to be here. Um, and then mentoring and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that kind of was the first like real action that we took. So we applied to WebStart, we got in. Um, and that mean, that gave us kind of um, a few bits of confidence as well. You know, some guy who clearly knows what he's doing gave us cash when we didn't know what we were doing really, uh, which is good. Uh, but also the ca that meant, you know, I think a lot of the people that were part of WebStart were uh, techies, or at least they had techies on the team. Uh, me and Simon can't write a line of code between us. So usually what happened was the founders would kind of live off the 10K, a la YC, and then they'd use the time to build out the MVP or whatever it was. Um, but what we kind of told Mike, who's the CEO of WebStart, was that we don't, we will spend all of that money towards actually outsourcing the build of the product and we would live off savings because we were in a position to do so. Um, and I think that kind of gave him that extra level of commitment as well. The fact that me and Simon both left uh, good jobs to do it. So really he was like, I'm betting on the jockey, not, you know, not, not, not the idea. Um, so yeah, so we got in. So Simon came down, crashed on my couch a lot. And we used that time to figure out you know, what we needed to do uh, to get a landing page up to uh, build our MVP, which took us a little while. But um, yeah, that's kind of, that was the first major step in going from an idea to something tangible. Cool. And so how did you, I assume you got the word out first before you built the thing, or did you build and get people on board? Um, so we got, so we did a couple of things. So we built a Wix landing page um, with just to collect emails. Uh, and then we set up like a Facebook page and a Twitter page and we started, you know, trying to get the word out um, and getting people to pre-register for the launch. Um, and, then, and then we went to try and get the thing built. Uh, originally, we wanted it to be an app. Uh, we got a couple of quotes. Um, it was not even in the ballpark. Uh, so we were quoted 50K from the agency that we wanted to go with. We were like, we've got 10. Um, we were then introduced to um, a freelance developer in Bristol, um, but we very quickly realized that even with kind of preferential rates that he was giving us, we could get to a point where we'd, we'd run out of money and potentially the product might not even be out. Uh, so we, we were going to like every meetup, trying to find a co-founder, um, and you know, you just meet all the other idea guys trying to find a developer at these meetups. Um, so if there's, if there's like, you know, techie people, like they should definitely go to these meetups and they're just going to have a queue of people that want to meet them. Um, but basically what happened in the end is again, very serendipitously, uh, a, a really good friend of mine, she introduced me to a friend of hers, um, who is a developer and he loved it. And he basically built it for us for mates rates plus, plus karma. So he built it for us over his Christmas break, like he was working Boxing Day on it. Um, and he built us like a very, very basic MVP um, that we put out uh, pretty much two years ago. Like it was in like February, mid-February 2015. Um, and that basically, uh, you know, was one of those things where it was nowhere near what our vision was because you had to take everything out because we couldn't afford it. So it turned out to, you know, it turned out to be, you know, very, very basic, like a 
like a like a bulletin board kind of you know type thing like a forum um but at least we had something and now we could learn and fail fast and all that stuff me me and simon read like the the lean startup cover to cover uh around about this time to like um you know to so yeah i think i think the fact that we did it earlier rather than later again with hindsight was definitely the right decision but at the time um you know it was all a little bit um you know um i've heard some of people saying you know your your mvp should embarrass you if not like you're leaving it too late i've i've heard that somewhere and i was like well you know it, it is a bit embarrassing but it's all we can afford so you know it it just allowed us to at least like kind of put it out there and we and and, and the kind of the people that were using it were like really generous with their feedback and they actually thought it was pretty slick and you know we had some really good compliments for design and all manner of stuff it was made with like fitter bootstrap but like we had some really good um good feedback so perhaps you know when it's community focused projects uh the the users aren't as uh like pinnacity as they would be with other products so they they cut us a lot of slack early doors which was much appreciated and so did you feel it because of this community um kind of community focused had quite a positive message how did you feel the uptake was for you was it hard easy it, it, it was it was it was both it was hard because we 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 realized that you know b2c is tough like i i come from a b2b background and i'm like okay give me a name and i'll try and figure out how to get in front of that person but a b2c where you're trying to get people and you're competing with all the other messaging out there i think it was really really tough but at the same time whenever we did get a platform to speak or you know whatever it was uh we were really well received because of the messaging and what we were trying to do so it was a bit of both um i think in the first month we may have had around 250 signups the first month um but it was a lot of you know us running around trying to trying to drum up interest um and i think i'd say about 100 of the 250 at least uh had some sort of connection to me and simon so there a lot of arm twisting convincing people that they should sign up to our thing um and and it's at that point that we kind of realized actually people don't really care what you do like like the whole friends and family thing with startup it, it I I hear it a lot like they don't really care like you need to find people that care about your idea not the, and we learned that very very quickly like the if they were signing up for me the it was pointless because they were going to leave they weren't going to stick around um so very quickly we realized okay let's stop trying to sign up friends and family um let's just sign up people that have share our views and are like minded and we need to go find where they hang out and share the message with them and then you could see their reactions their eyes light up and they it really resonates and they don't care about me or Simon but they were like this is amazing like i want this in the world and they're the people that go on to become power users and advocates um so that was a really good learning experience early on and and in that process of finding out your obviously finding your tribe what did you guys do to do that early doors i think it was a lot of i think almost exclusively social media coupled with like physical meetups in bristol that was it we couldn't afford anything so uh, we went to any meetup where i could like blag a speaking role i would like try and or even if you were just in the audience and you could like 
you know, you could do like your one minute thing. So I was everywhere just trying to spread the word. Um, and then really a lot on social media, uh, Twitter and Facebook early days, we were quite, quite heavy, like just try to create good content, uh, which is quite easy and fun to do around the area. So you curate like all the cool, like, you know, kindness videos that I look at anyway. I just share that on the Facebook page or like make, you know, little quotes or whatever, but just try and create good content on social media. And so early doors, we had people signing up from all over the world. Like we had a really mixed, like very, very early on, I remember looking at analytics and we had like users from like 60 countries within like a couple of months. Uh, but that wasn't <laughs> what, what we were planning at all because the MVP was built to be piloted in one city. So there was no location uh, built into it. So you just had a stream of everything. So we thought it's going to be like, you know, Bristol, you know, Clifton, Filton, whatever. But we ended up having Bristol, 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 Michigan, Bristol, Bristol, London. Um, yeah, which wasn't great at that point. But, uh, but it was encouraging to see that, you know, it resonated with people all over the world. So that, that was a nice little tick, uh, but it wasn't super practical for them um, at that point. So it sounded like a lot of hustle at the beginning. A lot, yeah, and and all the way through. I don't think, I don't think that's, uh, you know, I don't think we've been able to really take our foot off the gas. But yeah, a lot of hustle in the beginning, a lot of hand cranking behind the scenes because we got lots of advice from lots of different people. They were like, no, you know, you guys need to go and do everything because you know, no matter what the startup is, you know, early doors, that's what happens. So literally, um, we were just running around helping everybody. So if somebody posted, just we went and helped them, um, and it was cool. Uh, but after a while, we got more advice where people were like, stop helping people because you're not, you're not proving your hypothesis if you go around helping people. So we're like, oh yeah, okay, let's stop helping people. And then let's, let's, let's observe how the community helps people. Um, so yeah, that was interesting too because you get so much um, conflicting advice and you, know, you feel as though you, know, you should take them all on. Um, so yeah, we've, you know, we've tried everything. I think early early doors, and uh, you know, it was it was good once we kind of took a step back and we started observing people using it of their own accord. And I'd ask Simon, Simon, do you know this guy? So I was like, No, do you? I'm like, No. So like, Oh, he's a, like a random person that's found this and he's actually using it. That's really cool. Um, so yeah, that was kind of uh, <laughs> that's how it all started. Cool. And so, how long did it take to get that first version up? Um... Um, so, yeah, so, so I would say about when we kind of put it out, uh, maybe like two months, okay. but, but, but Eric was working like weekends, uh, cause he had like a real job and he was, he was helping us out on the weekends. Uh, and even after we launched, like even like, you know, bug fixing bugs and stuff, uh, you know, we had, we were very conscious that he was doing us a massive favor. And at no point did we feel he was going over and above anyway. At no point did we feel like, hey, we need this done tomorrow. Like we could never say that. So it was kind of like, you know, hey, it's there. Like, you know, when, when, when you get some time, like check it out. Um, so yeah, it took us, I would say about two months from like um, mapping it out on like a, you know, just doing like the wireframes to having something live after testing, I would say was about two months. And being a non-techie and building a tech product, what kind of advice would you give or what kind of hurdles did you have to cross 
Yeah, so um, kind of the, the good thing is once you've started down a road, you kind of need to finish it. So like you just figure it out along the way. And I think most people, you know, if they're passionate about what they're doing and uh, they consider themselves resourceful, you'll, you'll figure it out. But really, it was really, really tough. It was, you know, feeling completely out of our depth, really regretting the fact that I didn't do a computer science degree instead of like an economics and marketing one. Um, just, you know, both me and Simon at different points tried to learn to code ourselves because um, it was so hard to find a co-founder. Um, and then again, we got advice, I think good advice, where people said, look, don't bother because even with, you know, like even, even if you learn quickly, et cetera, you're still going to be mediocre because, you know, you're a newbie and like there'll be other people that are much better. So like do the things that you're good at and, you know, leave the coding to somebody else. So um, it, I met with a lot of people. So the thing that I was good at was I asked, I reached out to anybody and everybody I could think of and I'd asked them to recommend somebody and reached out to them and just to get my head around what a Ruby on a rail was because I had no idea. Um, so, cause that's what the MVP was built on. Um, so literally I just reached out to anybody that I felt was techie. The fact that we were in WebStart really helped because there were a few techie people. Um, and I remember there's a guy, Ben, super nice guy. He's, he's co-founder of a startup called name escapes me now. <laughs> That's embarrassing. But, um, basically we did a skill swap day where he sat down with me and helped me basically map out the MVP and then made me remove everything basically to like come up with the bare bones. And in return, I helped him and his team uh, with um, copy for email, emails, uh, for like pricing advice, so all the commercial stuff that they wanted a bit of help with. Uh, they're called Zen stores, by the way. Um, so I helped them with, did a day with like commercial stuff where I went over all of their email flow and, you know, what their pricing was and, you know, how they wanted to target customers, et cetera. And then he spent a day with me um, doing basically the, um, I don't know what the, the, the brief for the build uh, and taking me through the flow and uh, just make basically making me take everything out that I wanted. Um, but, but that was cool. Cause we did like a, you know, a helpful peeps kind of no money got exchanged. So, so that I, I lent on a lot of people who knew about tech and I really didn't know anything. So it was really easy for me to be super humble and just say, look, I know nothing like, you know, and just ask lots of what I'm sure were really stupid questions. Um, but I was like, I need to learn. And then working with you know, this this friend, this tech guy, how did that how did that pan out in terms of communication? Was there really really well? So really well. He introduced us to Slack and Trello and um, you know all the stuff. Uh, but the one thing that I will say, which we which we've learned, is that. Um, we, because we didn't know much about anything, nothing about UX, nothing about, you know, so, so what we would, what ended up happening was we would, me and Simon would sit down and do like a PowerPoint, uh, we'll build on PowerPoint what we wanted it to look like and we'd send it to Eric um, and basically Eric would replicate it. And uh, we, we hoped Eric would like, like ask us questions or be like, that's crap guys, like, and like tweak it. But for whatever reason, Eric just did exactly what we asked of him. 
Um, so we'd build on PowerPoint, then it would become real. Um, but then very quickly, we'd learn that it was really, really, like, it was rubbish. But, and, and you know, but Eric, you know, maybe, I don't know, he, he perhaps wanted to take our vision and make it real, you know what I mean? So um, what would have been super helpful, uh, and probably it's our fault for not um, articulating it to him up front, what would have been useful is for us to say, look, we don't have a clue what we're doing. So if something goes against the principles of, you know, whatever that you know, just tell us. That would have been useful. But um, he was great. Everything we put in front of him, he just built. Um, so, and then we watched people using it and then realized, oh, they're not using it the way it's intended. Uh, but that's good though, because, you know, uh, so we had all these assumptions and very quickly, um, you know, we, we learned what was wrong. And that allowed us to make some iterations. Um, but then we ran out of money, so we couldn't make any more iterations. Um, and we tried to do everything as manually as possible. Um, so there was a lot of, there were bits within the MVP that would link out to like a medium post. So, so you know, we would have like community guidelines or an FAQs bit that we needed to keep, you know, front and center because a lot of people ask the same stuff. But then instead of it going to a helpforpeeps.com slash FAQs page, we just host it on medium and you just, link out so we try and do things that you know anything that we could do manually we did manually um but we learned a lot and i think and it did what it said on the tin it kind of did the very very basics so it worked um you know people could post people could find posts and they could communicate they could co comment and message and so that all happened um so yeah that allowed us to kind of test um our hypothesis and it's only in january late january this year that we launched like our like our version two which is like a like our actual product so up until then it was the mvp we had some slight tweaks along the way but at its core it was still very much like a prototype mvp product so it's just under two years where you were working on um, so, so yeah, yeah. So just under two years. So February, mid, mid to end of February, 2015, we launched kind of the you know, 0.1 version of the MVP. And then uh, in January, because the, the V2 was six months in the making, kind of. So, so the January, uh, we launched V2 uh, late January, mid to late January. And so, so through that period, you said... It was you were cobbling together some stuff because you couldn't afford to actually do it the way you wanted it. Yeah, but that didn't harm you. It sounds like um, it didn't harm us because uh, it was getting better. Like even by one percent, the product was getting better. It wasn't getting worse. Uh, but we really felt we did feel though that we were missing out. So there was definitely an opportunity cost because there came a point where you know we quickly realized that this global people joining helpful peeps wasn't that great for anybody except for like the fact that we feel good that we have people from all over the world because they joined and very quickly they'd be like oh this isn't for me it's like a bristol thing so their first impressions weren't great and even when they did post the likelihood of them getting help we did have some international helps but there were few and far between um so we then decided you know because of the limitations of our product we decided, okay, we are only going to focus our efforts on Bristol. And, you know, we didn't close it off, but, you know, if you weren't in Bristol, really, you would have only heard about us 
in a roundabout way. So everything we did was purely focused on Bristol and we, we, we built it in a way where the entire stream was Bristol stream and then it was felt like a very local thing. So that kept us local uh, for perhaps longer than we would have liked. Um, but with the, the new product, we've now launched multiple cities. So we're in nine cities at the moment uh, with more to come. So what gave you the opportunity now to launch version two and to step up the vision? So the, from the very beginning, this kind of V2 was kind of in the back of, back of our minds as the single most important thing that we wanted to do. Uh, the new product could potentially change everything. Uh, so we closed, so, so going back a little bit further than that even, uh, we had, we met Dom um, early in 2016, I believe. Uh, and he was like a volunteer helping us out with a bunch of things. Uh, and he introduced us to Ed. They were kind of like childhood friends. Um, and between Dom and Ed, they had already started building V2 for us, uh, which was huge because the, the idea of having people kind of in-house as part of the team was really, really big. And they were doing it as, as like volunteers. So we started fundraising so that we could actually bring them on board full time because they were both just uh, finishing uni. Um, and we closed our round in September 1st, uh, which meant that Dom moved down from London, Ed as well, he was in London, so they both moved down from London. And I think it was like September 15th that we, the four of us were in an office in the center of Bristol, uh, where we could just dedicate all of our time to like getting V2 out. Um, so we had all these learnings that we've been sitting on for so long, and it was amazing to be able to, um, actually start like bringing all those things back and like uh you know actually putting that into practice and doing everything you know making the tech do the work um and it's been awesome so september 15th to jan probably like jan 15th maybe a little bit later was full-on very very intense uh v2 build um and then we put it we put it up and and so how did the funding process work and uh, yeah how did you get started with that yeah so that was a, a very very lengthy process um so we started by doing the things that you're meant to do so we mapped out all of the impact vcs from from europe and the uk and we got warm introductions to people and did all that um and really kind of went down kind of the uh, going after like institutional money like vcs really um and we realized kind of halfway through that we the amount that we were trying to raise we were only trying to raise like an scis round and um it's not even worth them doing their due diligence it just wasn't explain briefly scis for people who don't know so scis is like a government scheme where uh, any startup business can raise up to one hundred and fifty thousand pounds where the investors uh, get quite amazing tax relief. They actually get 50% of their money back uh, through tax relief. So it makes it you know, a bit of a no-brainer um, if you are investing in tech. Um, so uh, certain industries don't qualify, but if you're in tech, generally it qualifies. So, so we learned that you know, even a small VC or even like an angel syndicate, uh, you know, the, the number that we heard was, you know, if you're not raising at least 250 to 300,000 pounds, uh, it's not even worth us looking at it. Um, so, yeah, so learning that after we'd done a lot of work, we were like, okay, what are we, what are we doing? 
and uh, for less than 300k yeah exactly so um so we then decided okay uh, let's target individuals because um you know really the health peeps proposition is is like a holistic one it's about you know it's about impact and it's about profit and it's about it's it's not just a pure spreadsheet numbers decision right it's it, so we were like let's target individuals um, and then we just met a lot of people, um, a lot of 5am megabuses to London. Uh, a lot of it was cold. Um, and that's what I would recommend. I think, um, you know, if, if you can communicate, you know, well in writing and if you, you know, I think some people like it if you reach out to them cold, cause it shows that you have initiative and you know, you're, you're ballsy and you're a hustler and they like that as well. So, um, yeah, just cold email, LinkedIn, a lot of people. Um, tried to find people as well. This was really key that we didn't want, uh, we, we consciously decided not to go crowdfunding because that was the other option for us at that time. Um, and we didn't want to go crowdfunding because A, because of the fees, you know, seven and a half percent roughly was, was, was what we learned um, that we were giving away, but also crowdfunding is not easy either. And a lot of the investors that come via the crowd uh, they, it's just their money. You just get their money. And, you know, some people invested 50 quid or whatever. And okay, you don't have the same level of accountability, but they're not really gonna, you know, they're not really gonna do much work for you. They're not gonna open doors for you. They're not gonna introduce you. They're not gonna add much value, generally speaking, um, from the crowd. So we wanted to get individual angel investors who bought into our vision who were able to help us um, you know, with introductions, with advice, so people who'd been there and done that, people who would uh, be able to follow on for our future rounds. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of a decision that we made and we just really met with a lot of people. Um, and you know, it, like with everything else, you just need to keep, keep at it. Um, and, Kind of the perseverance paid off in like the eleventh hour. So, wow. And so, it sounds like maybe a lot of no's were experienced during that time. Yeah, yeah, a lot. Um, because I think it depends on the kind of investor you're after. You know, if someone's kind of like risk averse or they they want you know a sure bet. Not that there is a sure bet in startup land anyway, but uh, they're looking for you know you know, what's your monthly recurring revenue? What's, you know, have you got a big client? Um, you know, and we're, we're doing something quite, um, you know, non-traditional in a way, though with the world that we live in, with Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat, et cetera, surely like, you know, this is not that non-traditional anymore, but um, we were pre-revenue, but what we were doing was we were building a community. And, um, you know, I think everybody that invested in us they bought into the vision and they liked what we were doing at like the individual personal human level and they saw it as a long-term uh you know there's something here uh that could be commercial long-term but we needed to meet the right kind of investors and we actually we were very very close to getting investment twice earlier in the year and each at each point we were obviously gutted when it fell through but looking back now it's weird it's just like so glad we didn't get it from them and we got it from the, the people that we ended up getting it from because 
the dynamics and kind of the energy was completely different. And um, yeah, you talk about people looking for uh, the monetization model and the return on investment. You have a particular take on this at the moment in terms of that is in the focus. Is that correct? Yeah. So, yeah. So, so, so we're a team of four um, and we're, you know, we need to be really, really focused on whatever we're doing and trying to do both at the same time because we, we're really, uh, we're growing at about 10% week on week. So that's, we've got some really, really good growth. And the reason we we're achieving that, I think, is because we made a conscious decision in December that for the near term, we're going to focus on the growth of the community because that's where, you know, the more cities we launch in, the more people we, we have on board, the more people that are helping each other, like that's what we're really passionate about. Um, and if you build a big community, as we know, you know, you will be able to find innovative ways to monetize. Um, so, you know, so, so that's our big focus at the moment. I think revenue, you know, it's practical, yes, but for our kind of business, at this point in time, we felt it would be a distraction and we would definitely get to revenue sooner, but then I think, you know, we would have, you know, mediocre revenues, mediocre growth, um, and that's maybe not as exciting for anyone so we wanted to have you know rapid growth no revenues but just build a community deliver value and know that we have some um kind of plans where we can actually monetize down the road cool. and so you say you have a number of uh investors at the moment or is yeah it so so it's in, in individuals um so we've got five individuals who invested in us um, and actually, we've had a few more that we actually um, kind of turned down because we, it took us so long, but then once we hit our number, we were like, we were happy with that number. So we had a few more that, you know, everybody wants to join a full party. So, uh, um, yeah, so we actually had to say no to them, but uh, we're keeping them in the loop and, you know, they're, they're very uh, interested in kind of where we're going so hopefully this next time round, because you know inevitably it's going to happen again we're going to be back back on the mega bus so so hopefully this time around it'll be a more straightforward um you know a more straightforward process if there is if there ever is one and it sounds um, we've been talking before you're very very focused and values driven very strong idea of the vision for the product how has that helped with managing five investors with maybe various ranging experiences and, and ideas of maybe where you go? Yeah, so, so all of them except for one of them are quite, um, they're not super active, i.e. They, they invested cash and, you know, I'll, I'll keep them updated, um, you know, once a month sort of, and they've all fed back you know, keep doing what you're doing, they're, they're happy. Uh, only one of the investors is a bit more active. So we, um, we keep in touch more often. Uh, he's actually um, helping us with uh, future fundraising. That's part of kind of the, we've got a bit of a consultancy agreement over and above kind of the cash investment with him. Um, and he brings in um, sort of an area of expertise that is, you know, potentially wasn't there on our board. So that's kind of his role. He's not got an active, he's not an official board member, director, but 
he kind of plays that role. He's like an advisor. He's active. Um, but yeah, it's been really, really good. And that's why like, kind of looking back again, I think, in, in, you know, we've ended up with the kind of people that we can speak to openly. Because uh, sometimes, you know, people treat um, investors like bosses, like they kind of hide the bad things to show the good things. And from day one, we've been like, you know, we want, you know, we're all on the same team. Like, you know, we want to be able to share what's going on with them and, you know, lean on them. And they're incentivized to help us because they're, they're, they have equity in the business. So um, we've kind of, you know, tried to be as open as we can and keep them in the loop as much as we can and ask them for help whenever we need it as well. Um, so it's been, it's been really good so far. And I think it's only motivated us to be like, okay, we need to be very, very selective um, who we take money from. Because again, it's, it's, it's like, the, it's the team, right? It's like an extension of your team. And you want to make sure that you've got um, the right people around you, um, yeah. So that so that you can focus and do 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 your thing. That's great. So you have control of the vision, which is which means you. Yeah, and, and they've been super supportive, and you know, and, and basically they've bought into that vision, though. So, um, you know, obviously in the execution, things are going to change, right? So, but as long as you know, we don't do a three sixty on the vision, and then they they can you know, they're well within their rights to turn around and say, actually, we didn't buy into this vision. Like you've completely th done a 360 on us. But as long as we're true to the vision, you know, that's what they bought into. And again, you know, at such an early stage, like, you know, investors, you know, they say it, but I think they do mean it as well. They buy into the, the founders, they buy into the people and the team. So, you know, if they then try and get too hands-on, it kind of goes against, you know, like, I think, they want to support us and kind of let us get on with what we're doing. Um, and yeah, so, so it's been really good so far. Touch wood. <laughs> oh, the road is uncertain, but it sounds like you're on a good path there. And so um, really going back a bit to the technology bit, you've now done a version two launch. You kind of yeah. uh, try to get back some of the stuff you had to drop with version one. How has that process been of rebuilding? And, and it's, it's been like night and day. It's been so amazing. It's been, so we, we put out like version two, like, I don't know, like on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Uh, we, me and Simon went out to Eden Dom's place. We kind of pushed the button at like 6 a.m. or whatever. We, we did an all-nighter, got it out. And then in the next two or three days, I think, um, I say we, but really Dom and Ed shipped something like, 15 changes or it's just been so fast we had one of our uh, power users like um he we know him quite well now um, and he popped into the office a couple of weeks ago and he is on a nokia lumia and something didn't work on that so he kind of showed us um and literally that afternoon it's like it's done so i texted him and said it's the thing that you you know showed us it's sorted now and he's like that's amazing so the, the the speed at which we're shipping new features the, the 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 feedback loop has been it's just been really really good so we there's a bunch of changes coming in the next couple of weeks as well but it feels as though we're moving at a really good pace now uh, making up for all of that kind of slow slow product iterations in the past so yeah really excited about you know the kind of where we're going with the product um and hopefully later this year, uh, we'll be looking at a, uh, native apps as well. Cool. 
So having the in-house team has made you, allowed you to move a lot faster and be more responsive? Yeah, for sure. Uh, it sounds like though if you started with an in-house team, or would finding that in-house team in the first place was, was the challenge or finding the right yeah. team? Yeah, because again, like, you know, if you think of our unique set of circumstances, we had, you know, 10K from the incubator, me and Simon were living off savings. So unless we could bring in a, like, it would have had to be a co-founder who could also afford to live off their savings. And, um, you know, then we had 10K as like a budget for marketing or whatever to play with. Unless that happened, uh, it just wasn't going to work, right? Because, uh, and that's why I think we were lucky to have Eric, um, who, who, you know, it didn't, it wasn't even 10K. I think at, by the end, I think it was something like maybe between five to seven and a half, maybe. Um, um, and then we got like Amazon credits through WebStart. So that there were a lot of things that we, we, we never paid for offices like the entire period. So we were at WebStart and got into an accelerator called Entrepreneurial Spark which gave us free offices for a year. So we were really like, someone was, you know, we were blessed. Like we didn't run into any major things. We were paying for things like MailChimp and Slack. And, you know, we were paying for like nominal, like, you know, we paid nominal fees. Um, and that's what allowed us to go for so long with so little money. Cool. And so where are you at now? You've got how many users on the platform? So we were 30,000 plus. And um, I think we were at about 10,000 in January. So just to give you an idea of the, the speed of growth. Um, so we've got 30,000 plus users. We are also now officially launched in nine cities. Um, Brighton obviously being one of them. Um, and we are continuing to launch a new city almost every week. Uh, so we've got Oxford coming up. We've got Reading coming up. Uh, we've got a London launch in our sites as well. So we're looking at a specific borough in London that we're going to pilot or pilot launch in first. And you're traveling um, around to do these launches, is that right? Yeah, we are. So it's been a lot of traveling, um, but it's been great. We've met a lot of our kind of passionate early adopters, um, early users who are becoming ambassadors, who are actually helping us spread the word in their area. Um, so yeah, it's been really, really good. And so is that what's next? Basically going to every city in the UK? Yeah. So we are, we've got our sites set on our first big milestone, which is a hundred thousand members. Um, and we want to launch, uh, pretty much we want to get national by, by the end of the year. Uh, we get messages all the time from people all over the world saying, when are you launching, um, you know, um, from as far away as like Rio, but, but we're like UK focused uh, for this year um, and we'll raise around um, at some point this year. And, and with that, we may look at um, internet, like, you know, the US or, but at, at this point, trying to get to a hundred thousand as quickly as possible, um, trying to launch, you know, trying to be in at least all the major cities um, in the UK. Cool. And your helpful peeps. What is it that yep. you guys need help with uh, if we would put the word out? Yeah, we, I, well, fr from day one, so I came across you guys because some of the people that use helpful peeps that I ended up meeting in Bristol during the very early days said, there's a tribe, happy startups, um, you know, and 
So I think a lot of the people that are part of your network are like-minded. Uh, so the ask is really to join helpfulpeeps.com. It's free forever. Um, and basically start building communities and helping each other um, in, your, in your area. Um, I'm sure a lot of people of this mindset do it anyway, but Helpful Peeps just provides a platform to, to do it in hopefully a very, very simple way. Uh, and you'll meet new people outside of your networks that are in your local area as well. So that's the ask. I remember we were talking before when you dropped by the studio. Some people are, are very uh, keen to offer help, but maybe not yeah. as keen to ask for help. Yeah, we're, try we're really trying to change the narrative around that. And that's because of the stigma attached to it. And, the, and, and like we as a culture are, are to blame for that. Uh, so people have this notion of, you know, um, it's weak to ask for help or there's some kind of honor in, in holding all of, all of the weight um, on your shoulders. Um, and that's all well and good, but we've got a massive mental health problem, right? And we've got massive issues around social isolation. Um, so I think, you know, it, it's, it's, it's up to, you know, people that are trying to do good stuff to like change the narrative around it. Say so actually by asking for help, you're actually giving somebody an opportunity to help you out. And it's not that they're doing, you know, Health Peeps is not at all about like the haves helping the have nots. Like it's not charity. Everyone's a helpful peep. And, and some days you need help as we all do. Other days when you're able to help, you help. And it's just that real kind of, um, equilibrium right so uh, we are encouraging more and more people to ask for help actually on helpful peeps when you create a post um, we actually don't allow offers so you can't make an offer of help in a post all posts are dedicated towards specific requests for help and then those willing to offer would offer help against that specific request uh, and that's the most efficient way to do it we we believe um, and we've tested a few things and that's what we've learned so yeah, we, we would encourage more people, you know, uh, and it's not about help either. We're trying to use the word helpless to say learn. Maybe you've always wanted to learn a new language or a new instrument or a new skill. And, you know, asking somebody to show you the ropes on a new thing is, is adventurous. It's cool. It's not, it's not needy or, you know, it's, 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 it's not negative at all. So, um, yeah, we, we'd encourage more people to, to, to explore, try new things and meet new people and, learn new skills brilliant so it's uh, sign up at helpful helpfulpeeps.com yep and if they wanted to follow you on twitter and facebook it's all at helpful peeps and helpful peeps on and instagram same excellent nice <laughs> brilliant well thank you very much for sharing your story That's no worries uh, i hope you guys found something interesting there for you i, I think for me a quick summary is this idea of just getting something out there, uh, hustling. So yeah. that's very, very important. And being very clear about what your vision is, very strong yeah. about where you want to take this thing. Um, and we get inspired in different ways. It, it's, it's amusing to, to hear the, the number of names that you must have gone through to get <laughs> the peeps. Uh, but it sounds like the intention was always the same, even though the name and the product has changed over time. Yeah, and I, think, and, it, and I think that process helped us refine it as well. So we had to go through that process of trying to figure out, you know, exactly what we were. Uh, but it all came from the same, the initial seed of the idea is exactly the same, but it's kind of, we evolved from barter to helpful peeps. That's the way we look at it.
you need to follow that journey in order to get to where you need to be. Yeah. Brilliant. Excellent. Well, thank you very much again. Uh, for all of you who will be watching this, um, thanks for your time. If you, uh, I think we had one question uh, that came through, um, and it's from Lynn, and she says, is the karma economy a new thing? So it's basically a gift economy, which has been around forever. But in today's world, I think um, we collect things. We collect followers and likes and avios points. So we thought it'd be cool if we gamified it and people had karma points and everybody wants more points. So, you know, what, what better way to earn more points than doing good? Um, so that, that's all it is. And also the, the word karma of, you know, on helpful people, you give with no expectation of reward. But, you know, what goes around comes around. So you are going to get yours, but it's, you're not keeping score and you don't feel like the community owes you one. So you pay it forward, but, you know, karma being, you know, what it is, you know, you just give with no expectations. And if and when you need help, you'll get it too. So that's kind of why we really liked the, the karma economy. But it's basically a gift economy, which has been around for years and years and years. And it works. Cool. Helpful peeps, the gift that will keep on giving. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Well, take care, Seth, and uh, again, yes. good time. And bye bye, everyone else. Cheers. Bye.